The, the, the breakdown. Hey everybody, Sean King here, and what you are about to hear is the Momentum Advisors Show from Allen and Tiffany, where you will learn all about financial empowerment, financial decisions. You're going to learn all about financial freedom, and I can't wait for you to hear it. Hello, hello. Hey, hey, hey. It's December. We're really deep in December. I mean, we're not really deep. It's so deep. It's not. It's very surface, but we are here. I can't believe like the year is over. Like, to be honest with you, I'm still in 2020. What? Yeah, it still feels like 2020 to me. Are you still writing the wrong date? No, I have never wrote the wrong date. But like in my mind, my mind, it doesn't feel like we've been in COVID for almost two years. Like, I feel like it's been one really long year. Yeah. Okay. Well. So to be almost in 2022 is a bit crazy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My 21, though. It went pretty fast. It feels like it went extremely fast. So I know people say time flies when you're having fun. I had a lot of fun in 21. You know, 21 was a bomb year for business. I'll tell you that. For sure. 2020 was too. Wait, can I just, can I give a praise break for a minute? Feel free. Okay. Listeners, you you guys don't know this because we don't talk about all this stuff. But, you know, your boy and your homegirl, Tiffany, we, we did our thing this year. We bought three new dry cleaners this year through a fund that we created. That's true. On top of the two we already had. That's like, true. The Lord is in the blessing business. That is very true. Always. Always. Um, That's but... a feat for us. Like, we've not done three businesses in a year, I don't think. I think we've done two multiple times. Yeah. So, three in a year. No, no, but we, I did think three, we... we did three in 20... When like... We... 18, 17, we did, did three. three we had two, two dry cleaners at one gym. The crazy thing is that in 2022, we're almost guaranteed to do more than three. Yeah, it's that's a fact. pretty locked in that we'll do more than three. Yeah. But that's not what we're talking about today. No, in fact, it is entrepreneurial. It is, yes. About. What we, yes. Listen, long story short is y'all are quitting your jobs or you never went back to work after COVID. What they're calling it is the great resignation. Yeah, that sounds... Not the great migration, the great resignation. I think COVID for a lot of people was like, listen, I'm not I'm not doing this. I'm not going back to that whack job. I'm not dealing with Keisha and them at work. I can't stand my boss. I'm about to finally do my thing and be an entrepreneur. I'm going to stay home. Whatever it was, I think COVID really changed the perspective for a lot of people when it came to their professional lives and their careers. And people decided they were going to be a lot more intentional. And what that meant was, I'm not going back to that job. Yeah. In waves. Waves. Like, the great resignation is hundreds of thousands of people saying, you know what? I'm not going back. I'm going to hang my shingle and start a business. Yeah. I love it. I think we're responsible for at least a, a thousand of those people. You think we are? A thousand? Maybe 12? I was going to put maybe like eight, <laughs> four. We are, I think we might be responsible for like four to eight. I All mean, I'm we do have clients the, who became entrepreneurs during their tenure with we're, us. We're the wing beneath somebody's wings. This That's morning. a fact. That is a fact. And I just want to go on record to say for our employees, this does not apply to you. 
uh, you've got to come back to work. Y'all, y'all, we need y'all to do what y'all do so well. For now. But look, I, I'd be fine to see more people start. Businesses. I'm not talking about momentum. I'm talking about zips. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe they could start, They could become uh, consultants to us doing the same I job. I don't know. I, I would accept Yeah, that. momentum employees, we want you guys to flourish. And we feel like you flourish under us. It's very entrepreneurial at momentum. But, um, you know, if you decided to leave and do something else non-competitive we'd be happy about that i am talking about zips employees i need y'all to stay at work come back at work i mean to be honest with you we've experienced this personally in the businesses that we've owned it is extremely difficult like our employees didn't come back and we never closed i don't even know i don't know where y'all could have came back from we didn't close we didn't really lay people off but um it's hard out here yeah so here's some of the stats so The number of self-employed workers has risen by 500,000 people since the beginning of the pandemic. We're currently at almost 10 million people who are self-employed right now. I love it. Which is the highest number since 2008. So entrepreneurs applied for over four and a half million new tax ID numbers just from January to October of this year. So not even in the complete pandemic, just... 2021, Q1, Q2, and Q3, people apply for over four and a half million new tax ID numbers. That's a lot of people that's going to be in some tax trouble. Listen, we already did that. We already did that. Uh, You know, LLC is not a business. Yeah, it's really not. But no shade thrown. That's a lot. That's up 56% from the same period of time in 2019. Yeah. And just to shout to those people, make sure you file your taxes for those entities that you've created where you've asked for these federal we're not tax ID about numbers. to do this again but just make sure you when you that. file a tax id number you owe taxes i feel like it's yeah. already in the it's so like i know people are like listen i got my my ein i'm mm-hmm. about to start applying for all these things and you know these vendor relationships and all that that also means you are on the clock for taxes even if you didn't make any money you have to file something the ein means the government is about to get paid Whatever it means. <laughs> so in September, right? Like in September, U.S. workers, I, I don't know what's happening in other countries, but U.S. workers resigned from 4.4 million jobs in September. One month. In one month, 4 million people said, I'm done with y'all. Like they quit their jobs. Yo, how do you think... Like some of them quit. Like what? Would, what did no, they say? No, definitely. And it's in? funny because even when I, I had to hold myself back from saying four point four million Negroes, because <laughs> I know it's not all black people. Um, I just I'd like to I'd like to hope that it was. I, I'd like to believe and hope for myself that it was like four point four million black people decided. You there's, know, there's some black people in there. No, there definitely is, but it's not all black people. But no, no, definitely. You know, you. It's the very. You know, the uh, you just don't show up back at work. There's always that. Mm. Um, there are the people who they, on the day before, like they know like they're not coming to work tomorrow. They know they're done. They're not going to say anything, but they leave everything on their desk, like their work phone, <laughs> the keys to their office, yeah. their security badge, so that when people come into the office the next day, they're like, hmm, Something's amiss here. So respectfully, curiously. Yes. Okay. The mysterious 
Okay. Resignation. Okay. Some there's of those. those. Okay. There's definitely like the ignorant irate. Like there's definitely, I'm sure no a couple of these were, were like not planned. I'm sure a couple of these were, you are just, you're, you're doing too much. I can't take this anymore. You know, a lot of businesses are understaffed right now. So I'm already working overtime and doing everything that I can. And you came in here talking to me crazy. And you know what? Today is my last day here. So mm. those are the irate pop off ones. Ain't nobody come to see you, Otis. Yeah, I think I, I think probably the smallest percentage are people who went into HR and gave two weeks notice. Really? I don't think I think I don't think there's a lot of not right now, not post pandemic, right? I don't even if, if are we po because now we're Omicron, 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 right? So I don't even think post pandemic you feel like you don't you gotta live. You can't be playing around with people. I'm not giving you two weeks notice. I'm done when I say I'm done. I might not have two weeks. Right. You know what? <laughs> and I'm just decided I'm moving on. I think, again, I'm not saying no one did that, but I think that's the smallest percentage are the people who went to HR, gave two weeks, or even like said, hey, I just want to let you know I'm ready to move on. I'm going to give you as much time as needed for you to find a replacement. Mm-hmm. Those are not happening. All right. So which, which resigner are you? Which, the, the last job you resigned from, how did you do it? Did you, were you? Uh, this isn't a good story. Um, so it's a, mine was a little bit more um, uh, impromptu. It was more of a, I, I knew for, so I'm a person who really goes with their gut, right? I really believe in my gut. The very, very limited times I've not gone with my gut, I've regretted it. So it doesn't take a lot to convince me. It doesn't take me a lot to convince me that it's time to do something. Okay. So I had probably been feeling bad. I had loved every minute of my job up until about a week before I decided it was over. And it was just a week. Like, and again, I love my, this is my dream job, the job that I'd always dreamed about. I loved it. And for a week I had been feeling off. And by off, I just meant sad. And I couldn't wrap my head around it. And I didn't like a lot of things all of a sudden, right? Mm -hmm. And one day I came into work, completely prepared to work and do all the things that were required of me. And I sat down at my desk and I said, nah. And I probably sat at my desk for like 10 minutes. And then I walked into my boss's office and said, could you please fire me? And she didn't say anything. Um, She didn't ask me any questions. She sent me back to my office. And probably about 20 minutes after that, they let me go. Mm. So you asked to be fired. That's not in the the stats. Just to be just being very, very honest. Right. Like this was my dream job. I was emotionally attached to this job. I didn't know if I had it in me to quit. Mm. So I asked if they could fire me. Sounds like Squid Game. It does it. I mean, I don't know. I wasn't trying to be like calculated and I wasn't trying to get unemployment. Like that's not what I was even doing. It was more of a, I don't know if I can bring myself to say the words for what I need to do. So I'm asking you if you could fire me. I don't know if I could say I quit. Yeah. Wow. And I, but to be, I've done that before and other things I've said, I, I, can you please let me go? I don't know if I have the words have to you, say. This sounds like a really great way to break up with a dude too. Have you tried that? Like, look, I need. <sighs> can you break up with me? Because I don't have the words to say goodbye. To be very transparent, I've done it twice in breakups. Really? Mm-hmm. 
That makes the dude feel good, I'm sure. No, not at all. It, I've, I, And it's happened in the same fashion. Like, I am all in it. And then all of a sudden, I remember one time, I w- we had just came back from like a camping trip. We had a really great weekend. Mm. And the next morning, six o'clock in the morning, I woke up and I said, can you please break up with me? <laughs> and he was like, sure. And that was it. I'd be like, well, I'm going back to bed. Okay. <laughs> I'll break up with your ass later. Yeah, it was. Um, so, yes, I've done it before. I, listen, I'm a person who believes that you've got to do what works best for you. And if you know, like, because some people will hold on to relationships. Like, I just can't bring myself to say it. So you stay in it. I do what I can. It's not perfect, but it's worked out for me multiple times. Okay. All right. So today's show is... Not just about how Tiffany's quit jobs. <laughs> it's definitely not. Broken it's, up with dudes. It's about what should you do if you're planning yes. to be a part of this great resignation. We want you to be prepared, right? If you're if you're going to quit your job, we don't want you knowing five minutes beforehand. You don't have no money in the bank. It ain't no food in the refrigerator. Like We want to give you the advice you need of the things that you need to do before you say, F that job. Yeah. So we're going to break down the steps. Some are financial. Some are like entrepreneurial. Some are like actual business things. Yeah, this is for everybody. So whether you're going to start a business, whether you're going to be a stay-at-home mom, you're going to be a woman that's being taken care of or a guy that's being taken care of, whatever you're deciding to do after the fact, this advice is for everybody. Yeah. Okay. So number one, and (laughs) most of this is for people that want to start a business, by the way. So like the- Damn that. Like, I'm about to be a, a kept man. Like, I don't know if this all applies no, to No, it you. definitely, it some definitely it, applies. Some of this it first might. one definitely applies. All right, what's the first one? Do your research, right? And so that can mean a variety of things for a variety of different people. And I realize right now, throughout this episode, I'm going to be the advocate for the kept ones. Okay. Um, but do your research. So if you are going to become an entrepreneur... You need to research the business that you're going to get into. Sometimes that means having a business plan. A lot of times it doesn't mean that. But you need to know the tools and the resources that you need to have in play to get started with your business. Read all types of information and industry reports on whatever industry you're going into. Talk to potential customers or clients. If you're staying in the same industry, but you're deciding to go independent, talk to some of your existing clients and see would they be willing to go with you Or if not, what they will be looking for in a new company or firm that they might not be getting in their current experience. Do your math, right? Like understand your numbers and not just like what you have in the bank, but how much are you going to charge? How much money do you need to make to have a good quality of life? What's your basics number right now? Like how much money do you need to just not die to eat, get to and from wherever you have to get to? Like what's that number? And then what number are you working to get to and how long is it going to take you to get there and then for my kept crowd for my kepters okay my my key the the ones that are kept i can't stop her um you need to know if you're going to be kept what that means like how much do you need i'm i'm being serious right like you can meet this is i'm just speaking to the ladies right you can meet a guy and he's seems like he's doing well financially and you guys are in a great loving relationship And he's like, listen, you don't have to work no more. I know you don't even like that job. I got you. Mm. Right. And you're like, bet I'm not working no more. He got me. You need to know what he got me means. Like for him, it may mean you got enough money to eat food, 
Like you don't have no extras. All that, no more weaves, no more hair done, no more shopping, no more travel. So you need to know how much it's going to cost you for you to feel and live the lifestyle that you actually want to live in this kept situation. Everybody's lifestyle is different, right? For the dude, he might have a really nice place, but he might turn the heat off in the wintertime because he don't like his utility bills to go up. Like you need to know what type of lifestyle you plan on living kept after your job. Okay, well, some some of that's valid, um, Tiffany. Seriously, going back to those who want to start a business, yes. I, I do think you hit on a couple of really good ones, and I'm, I'm going to tease those out for a minute. Number one, you've got to think about how much you're going to charge, who is your customer base going to be, and how many customers do you need to give you the quality of life that you're used to, right? Like your pricing is really, really important. A lot of folks automatically start lowballing, right? The one type of entrepreneur that I, I struggle with, and this is a lot of folks, is the folks that want to be the lowest price and the best quality. Like that typically doesn't go together. Like what business do you know that says they've got the lowest price and they've got the highest quality? Like when you think about, you know, Mercedes, like they don't have the cheapest cars, but they've got the highest quality or one of the highest qualities, right? Or you you take a company like, I don't know, Kia. Kia has inexpensive vehicles, maybe not necessarily the highest quality. So you wanna think about your prices because your prices not only dictates the quality of the service or product that you're offering, it also dictates the quality of life that you get on the other end, right? So if you price your business very low and it's a service business, it means you're gonna have to serve a lot more customers which means a lot less time for your personal needs versus if you charge a lot, you'll probably have a lot more personal time and you'll make a lot more money. Yeah, a lot of this is just speaking to understanding your personal budget. And I think when we talk about personal budget, we're talking about money, but Alan just touched on it. We're also talking about time. Like what's your personal time budget? How much time are you willing to give if you're going into being an entrepreneur? Have you accepted the fact that you went from working eight hour days to now you're going to be working 16 hour days, right? Like how much time are you willing to put in on a daily basis? How much time are you willing to take away from your family and all the other things that you like to do in order to get this business up and running? And how long are you willing to do that? Are you willing to give it all you got for six months, 12 months? And after that, you're going to reassess. Like you really need to understand your personal budget. And so it's time and it's also finances. We've talked about like what type of lifestyle are you willing to live and for how long? How long are you like for a lot of people, they have some savings. So they're like, listen, I got nine months of living saved. So that's my clock for other people. They're like, listen, I know how to live on the bare minimum. I know I can make enough to live on the bare minimum for this long but I'm not willing to do this for more than two years. Two years in, I need to be making some substantial income so that this is worthwhile. So you just hit on the next one, which is save some money before you quit. Now, this is optional, right? Save some money before you quit gives you the grace to make some mistakes in business, to you know have some false starts. If you don't save money, you've just got to be more right. Right. And so like you use the term optional. I don't know if it's optional. Like you are blessed if you have the opportunity to save money. Sometimes it's a dire situation and you didn't know what was going to happen that day. You didn't know things were going to take the turn that they did. 
And if you had, you would have saved more money. But because you didn't, it is what it is. And to Alan's point, you know, this may sound super irresponsible, but everybody who quits their job, they don't have money saved. And that's not necessarily a horrible thing. Mm -hmm. You can get through being an entrepreneur starting at minimal amount of dollars. We've done it. Um, We know a lot of people who've done it. It's not ideal. Right. It's not comfortable. So for people who are willing and prepared to be uncomfortable, if that's the situation you end up in, you can still make it. There are some people who refuse to be pushed outside their comfort zone. And so this way is not for you. And you probably won't ever enter into being an entrepreneur because being an entrepreneur is uncomfortable. But, you know, you saving money helps. The more money you save, the more comfortable you'll be able to be. If you don't have money saved, you are acknowledging that you will be uncomfortable for some period of time. And the clock is ticking on making money and getting customers as quickly as possible. Absolutely. So we are giving advice on the things that you need to do before you join the great resignation. If you haven't joined already. So stick with us. I'm Tiffany Hawkins. I'm Alan Boomer. And we're the Momentum Advisors. you so much for listening to the momentum advisor show this is sean king founder and ceo of the north star if you want to hear more shows like this featuring black and brown voices on the most important issues of the day head over right now to the northstar.com to discover all the podcasts we have to offer we have over 500 different episodes from six different podcast series and they're all great check them out we are back yes so a lot of people when they quit their job one of their favorite things one of the things they're most excited about is not having to pay the man anymore like not paying taxes really now let me help you out here if you are moving in the direction of becoming an entrepreneur you know working on that hustle whatever you choose to call it you still have taxes. Sure. Do. Again, we keep telling you every time you file for one of these EIN numbers, you are notifying them. Hey, IRS, I'd like to start paying you taxes today. Yeah. Right. And so you still have to factor in taxes. Now, I'm going to just listen. I don't cut corners. When I became an entrepreneur for the very first time. The IRS wasn't getting my tax money. Now, I can say that now because I've paid back taxes. Mm. Um, So I could talk crazy (laughs) now. A lot of back taxes. A lot of back taxes. But those first couple of years, I needed every dollar. I was one of those people who didn't have money saved. I didn't. I I just told you my story. I, I didn't plan on not having a job. So I didn't have money saved to survive. And the money that I did have saved, I ended up getting swindled out of it. So that's a whole nother story for another day. But... I needed every dollar. I needed every customer income, everything that was coming in. I damn sure wasn't paying nobody no taxes. Not yet. I wasn't making enough. I I was just trying to make enough money to survive. And I did not factor in taxes. Yeah, you've got to factor in taxes because what we find is that most people who go from a paycheck to an entrepreneurial environment, they end up owing taxes in that first year. Very true. For some, it's because like Tiffany, they didn't 
factor in the taxes. They, they needed every dollar that came in for their living expenses. In other cases, they miscalculated. And I was one who miscalculated. So I, I knew I had to pay tax, right? But before I quit, I looked at how much I got paid. And I looked at how much I paid in taxes. And I did the math based on what was on my pay stub. What I didn't realize is that my employer was paying part of my taxes. Right, which most people don't realize. Your employer pays part of your Social Security tax and part of your Medicare tax. So that FICA that you complain about, like your employer covers really half of that expense, meaning that if you've got to cover 100% of it, your taxes just went up by about 15%. And so when you're doing your budgeting, if you make a dollar, you didn't really make a dollar. You need to put away at least maybe 25 or 30 cents off of every dollar that comes in, put it aside for taxes. And I'm going to add to that for people who are going the entrepreneurial route and plan on hiring employees immediately, which I don't know who you are, but for maybe you've, you've put money aside. Maybe you've, you've, you've got some investors or whatever. You've got some capital. And so you plan on employing people rather quickly into your entrepreneurial journey. If you plan on doing that through a payroll company, you are going to have to pay their taxes. Like the taxes yeah. that we're talking about that we often overlook for ourselves, you are responsible. You're not just responsible for the pay. You're not just responsible yeah. for the salary or the hourly wage. You are responsible for payroll taxes and all types of other taxes on top of that just to have them as an employee. So make sure you're budgeting that in. It's not just, listen, he's only $14 an hour. He's going to be working 20 hours a week. It's not that big of a deal. No, it's a. It's probably going to be 25% more than what you plan on paying just in wage and salary. That's a fact. That's a fact. The next thing you've got to think about, this again is a financial thing. You've got to think about replacing a lot of the coverage that you had through your employer. Yes. All of it needs to be replaced. Like just because you're not working for the man anymore, it doesn't mean that you don't need health insurance, that you don't need life insurance and disability. Like these are three things that are critical. Like your health insurance can be bought through either COBRA when you first quit your job or through the, um, the healthcare marketplace, healthcare.gov. Life and disability can be bought directly through a financial advisor, through an insurance salesman. Like you need to find someone to give you that and co that coverage because this is really critical coverage, especially disability. So when I first quit my job, the very first thing I did was I went out and bought disability coverage. Yeah, and Alan and I, we are definitely a tale of two cities. Okay, Alan was responsible. It sounds like you were paying, you were allotting money for taxes from day one. <laughs> you were out going to get insurance. I did none of these things. Again, I I was, I always call myself an entrepreneur by desperation. I did not plan on becoming an entrepreneur. I did not plan on leaving my job when I did. And I, again, I struggled financially for some time before I started making any dollars. And when I made them, I was gonna hold on to all of them. I went some time, like some time without health insurance. I know there are plenty of other entrepreneurs who have done this before. Alan is definitely better than all of us, I guess. But sometimes you just don't have it. Like sometimes you don't know where to get it. This was before Obamacare. So like this, this I wasn't even aware of a healthcare.gov. I don't, that wasn't a thing um, at the time, but I went some time without health insurance on purpose because I did not have the money to pay for health insurance, not even realizing that 
you know, the cost for health insurance is based on your income. Wasn't even aware of all that. Definitely didn't have nobody's disability. Um, And again, they're just things that you have to be mindful of the risks that you're taking and you want to avoid having to take these risks. I think that's why we're having this conversation. Yeah, my situation was just very different. It's not that I was better than anyone. Well, you had a family. I had a wife who didn't work in a traditional sense. She didn't bring an income. And I have three kids and a mortgage. And so if I wasn't successful in business and then God forbid I got injured where I couldn't work and my three kids are looking at me, my my wife's looking at me, like I needed to make sure that- I had disability insurance. But I think that also speaks to where you are in your journey. Like as an individual, for people who are considering quitting their jobs to become an entrepreneur or to take some time off and figure next steps, a lot of people are quitting their jobs to go back to school and pursue another career path. Do you have a family? Because if you have a family, the rules are completely different versus someone who's single and doesn't necessarily have any dependents or they don't have another individual relying on their income. If you have a family of a wife, if you have children, you've got to think about this very, very differently. And so you need to have the honest conversation with yourself of what do I need to do? What conversations do I need to have up front? What am I willing to put my family through versus what am I willing to go through on my own? To pursue this new journey. Yeah. And and let me just throw this out for a second. I think there's a lot of folks listening right now who are sitting in a job that they don't want to be in anymore. And it's because of these benefits. Like they think that health insurance is so expensive, I can't afford it on my own. Or life and disability is so expensive. Today, you can replicate most of what you have, if not all of what you have through your employer, especially if you're young and healthy. If you're older and in poor health, and these things are going to be a little different. But you can buy health, life, and disability for maybe, it's probably under $1,000 a month for all three. You know how crazy $1,000 a month sounds, though? Like, in your in your early journey. No, like, I sure. was 29 years old. I'm talking about for a family of five. No, that, now that's meaningful, like, yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying it's not some back-breaking amount that you can't come up with in business. And if you're not making $1,000 a month as an entrepreneur— and you've quit your job. Like that's you're you're not having a successful time but just yet. You have a beginning. Like I will from a for a person who, you know, I from the moment I started becoming an entrepreneur, yes, I did well. But that's not the journey for everybody. Mm-hmm. I don't want to sell that to anybody. For a lot of people, it doesn't work out that way. And those first several months, you're not bringing in income. You're not making a lot of money. You're working hard, but there's no income coming in. I will say though. To Alan's point, when I did finally feel like I had enough money to start looking into healthcare and to start looking into insurance, it was a lot less expensive than I thought it was going to be. I was young, right? And so like someone, I I was 29 when I became an entrepreneur. So like I was younger. And so these things didn't cost as much as I had made up in my head and I was able to pay for them. But again, I do not want to struggle shame anyone who really is about this life and is taking this road and you're not making a thousand dollars a month for a while. It doesn't mean that you're doing a bad job. It doesn't mean that you're not successful. It means that you are grinding and you are getting to the place that you need to get to. I respect that. I receive that. Here's what I also want to do. While we're not struggle shaming, I also don't want to give the idea that entrepreneurship is always a financial struggle. Definitely not. Because I think that's what we've assumed. Like if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you're it's associated with the poorhouse. 
It really isn't. No. You've got to walk into this with the mentality of success that I could actually make more money than I ever did, have more time to myself than I ever did, possibly. Eventually. Maybe, eventually. Like, it can actually be way better than you ever imagined if you go in with that sort of positive outlook. Yeah, but you just have to be honest and have the tenacity to get through the rough times. Like you and I That's have been fact. through extremely rough times. Extremely rough Being times. Being very transparent. We own dry cleaners. We've owned dry cleaners since 2017. Mm-hmm. How much money have we taken out of our dry cleaning businesses for our own income? Yeah, um, not... Zero uh, dollars. Not, not Zero. a lot. Zero. Zero dollars. <laughs> and our dry cleaners are extremely successful. Um, again, that's 2017. So that's four years. We've been running these businesses for four years and we haven't taken any income out of the businesses. Now we could have, but you know, we wanted to invest the money back into the business and we're in a position because we do other things. We have multiple streams of income that it wasn't required. I don't want to tell you as an entrepreneur, you're not going to make any money for four years, but you have to be prepared to go through what you got to go through to get to that other side that Alan's talking about where it's extremely rewarding and profitable and you, you get to dictate your time. And as people love to say, you get to feel like being your own boss. You're never your own boss, but you get to feel like you're your own boss. Yeah. That's that. Listen, that, that's great. And we were able to do that because of the income that you just talked about. Like if this was supposed to be our thing that was sustaining us, then, you know, we would have structured things a little bit differently. Yeah. To be honest. So, The next point is there's this idea of starting a startup and the idea of starting a business. Now, we did a whole podcast episode called An LLC is Not a Business. And really, the idea behind that is not to say that the entity in LLC can't be used in business. We're saying that starting a business is very different than filing the paperwork for creating a business entity or having just an idea of a startup. Like a lot of folks automatically think Shark Tank when they think business. For us, we try to think about things that we can do to make money right now. Yeah, we're bootstrappers, I like to think. Like, as Alan mentioned, we don't immediately think, and even though we do have businesses that have investors, that's never our immediate thought. Like, how much money can we go out there and get and then start a business? We typically just put boots to the ground and get started Mm -hmm. and try to make money as we go along to keep getting along. Yeah, that's a fact. Yeah, revenue is the most overlooked source of business funding out there. And so if you can start a business that is bringing in revenue from day one, it's a way different situation than a startup that now needs, you know, millions of dollars in funding and all sorts of additional people to buy in. Like my big thing as an entrepreneur is I don't want like some unreachable goal, some some super high hurdle to allow me to be in business. I want to use what I have to put myself in business. I think for me, it's just that like I'm an extremely aggressive personality and that I go after the things that I want in life almost to an extreme. I would never be comfortable. And this is just me personally having to rely on a group or one individual or whoever, any number of other angel investors or just random people in order to secure what I want out of life. Right. So for some people, it's. We've got to do a raise and we have to raise $2 million to explore our great idea and get it off the ground. And that works. That definitely works for for a lot of people. They tend to be white, but that definitely works for a lot of people. For me personally, my personality 
won't allow that, it would drive me crazy. I have to be able to get what I want or get to where I want to be within myself first. And then if other people want to buy in later, that's great. But it can't be the primary factor in me securing what looks like success for me. I think you have to determine which one of these people you are. Yeah, that's a fact. I know for me, my, my dream doesn't need approval by some funder or by some... Most of our dreams don't get approval, yeah. period. Yeah, but we get approval in the marketplace, yes. right? The customers give us approval. Like, I will accept that. Like, if the, if nobody wants my, my services, then, hey, that means that this is not a business that's supposed to be. But I'm not about to, you know put up a business plan that requires Bill Gates to write a check or I'm not in business. That's all we're saying. So on that note, another approach is instead of quitting your job to start a business, you could consider starting a business and then quitting your job. Yeah. And so for a lot, I think this is a the ideal avenue for a lot of people who aren't comfortable with not bringing in an income, who are like, listen, I got a family or I've got a way of living that I'm not willing to give up. And so you guys end up calling it a side hustle. Right. And for us, that that's a term for sure. It's a side hustle if it's going to remain on the side. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but if it's something that you're going to take very seriously and is going to become a primary part of your life one day, it's just you kind of starting your business while working. Alan and I, again, we talk about these dry cleaners. Y'all have never seen us in in dry cleaning uniforms or working at any of our dry cleaners or gyms, any of the businesses that we Somebody own. Somebody may have. I, I like you see Alan, you ain't you haven't seen me. I wear the uniform. Alan will right. yes. Alan likes to have his his what is it? What's that show called? Where people work at their job? Oh. Uh, they work at their company. Undercover boss. Un- yes. Alan likes to play undercover boss. <laughs> One day a month. So you might walk into one of our businesses and you will see Alan in the uniform. Work in the register. Yes, I don't. Okay. With a toupee on. That's not me. I work in the back. I am getting making decisions and getting things done. But we have jobs. Like our jobs are the things that we talk about on this podcast, right? Like we do run a wealth management firm. That is what we do every single day. That is what brings in our primary income. While we own and buy and build all of these other businesses, I don't know if I would consider them our side hustle, but. Well, here's one thing I would say about this term side hustle, and I've got no issue with side hustle. But if you speak that over your business, like that's what you're going to have. Yeah. You're going to have something that's on the side. I guess that's what I mean. I don't think we've ever called any of our other business ventures side hustles. Nah. Yeah. they. I mean, that's just a part of who we are and what we do. Yeah. We approach them as if these are going to be meaningful revenue Very much streams. So. Right. Because think about it. If if I've got a full-time job and I'm doing something on the side for extra money, I'm probably pricing that thing horribly. Yeah. Right. Because I'm not factoring in. It. Yeah. I'm not factoring in that I need to pay for disability insurance and health insurance and life insurance. And I got to pay my mortgage with this. I'm like, oh, this will be my extra spending money I could use to, you know, go out for drinks Very or to true. buy some things that are, you know, luxury in my life. If you view this as a primary means of making money, you're just going to take it a lot more seriously. Yeah. And so I don't think we're shaming either side. I think we just want you to have the honest conversation with yourself on where you stand, right? Like, are are, are you just going to have a side hustle, which is great, and that's extra income, and we love multiple streams of income? Love it. Love it. Or is this how I'm getting started? I'm getting started while I'm working, right? Because I can't take the chance of not bringing in income, but I'm about to grow this thing and this is going to be my primary thing one day. That's the goal. These are the conversations that you need to have with yourself before you quit your job 
to say, you know what, I'm more suited to still work, even if I'm going to pare down the hours, maybe I'm not doing as much overtime, maybe I'm not taking on the larger role or the promotion because I still need to commit to building my own thing, or I just need to have some time for my little side hustle. Speaking of time, Tiffany, okay, you've got to think about how you're going to spend your time because let's be honest, like you can waste time as an employee. And if you're on salary, that money keeps coming in. Facts. When you're on your own and there's no salary, there's no paycheck, time is really money. And you've got to think about how am I going to spend my days because entrepreneurship requires a lot of discipline. For sure. So like as employers, we consider that stealing time, right? Like if someone is on the clock and they're doing as little as possible, they're just chilling because they know, listen, I'm clocked in. I'm going to get paid regardless. For us, that's stealing time. And you might not really give a damn about stealing somebody else's time. Like, that's not your problem. But when it's your time and your money, it's different in that you are taking away from the money you could be making by playing around with your time. Yeah. So you've got to be very deliberate in how you're going to spend your days. I'm, I'm going to be honest, as an entrepreneur, it's very easy to just chill out. Kick it. To just kick it. Sleep late. Sleep, eat, watch some, get end up binge watching a show, mm -hmm. whole day's gone. Yeah. Then you're like, you know what? I'm going to get to it tomorrow. Next thing you know, it's 30 days later. It's very easy to kick it. Like you've got to be dedicated and you've got to be consistent. But you, only you can determine what that looks like for sure. Alan always tells the story when he started Momentum, he started in his parents' basement and mom was bringing down food. Mm -hmm. He was comfy on the couch. It's very easy to get distracted and, and just chill out. At some point, you've got to determine to dial in. And every day I'm going to be productive. Every day I'm going to move towards getting another customer or figuring out another vendor relationship or figure out my next product or, you know, advance the website, whatever it is. But you've got to determine how you're going to spend your time so that it actually results in making money. I love it. I love it. Hopefully you guys are learning a lot. Hopefully you guys are getting inspired or at least thinking through some things before you quit your next job. So stick with us. I'm Tiffany Hawkins. I'm Alan Boomer. And we're the Momentum Advisors. It's the pathway to freedom. Hi, this is Donnie Rose, Chief Content Editor here at The North Star. Encouraging you to check out thenorthstar.com every day for insightful, engaging commentary on the stories that impact our culture. The writers at the North Star make it our mission to advocate, mobilize, agitate, and disrupt in the name of creating liberation-centered content. We unapologetically center the narratives of Black, Brown, and Indigenous people. We understand that you can get news from anywhere, so we are more interested in offering perspective that speaks to the experiences of our audience. We write freely and with freedom on our minds. We invite you to indulge in our daily editorials and engage in the dialogue that will change the world. So we are back. Yes. 
things to do, things to consider before quitting your job. A lot of these are entrepreneurial focused. I do also want to shout out to my people who are being taken care of, oh who are being kept. This is a, this applies to y'all too. Okay. I want to shout out like some amazing women in my life who are clients and friends who've quit their jobs and they're all doing great. Like a lot of these women are in the- Are we going to say their names? I don't know if we've been approved to say names. I'm not going to say their names. Okay. Because yeah. I have one client that comes to mind that I'm like in crazy, crazy, crazy proud of, but I'm not going to say her name. Yeah. So I was just going to say a lot of these women are in the diversity space. Yeah. It's popular right now. And if you've got th- that skill set to be able to educate corporate America about diversity, around HR issues, around recruiting and, and talent management, like these are spaces that are writing checks right now. And we're seeing a lot of black women just thrive in these spaces. Coaching, yeah, a leadership. lot of coaching. Um, I fangirl over our clients a little bit for a variety of reasons, but yes, for our women who have left jobs and have become entrepreneurs and are killing it, mm-hmm. like it's super exciting and inspiring to see. One hundred percent. Yeah, we have one client that I'm gonna fangirl on. Real okay, quick, or fanboy. I guess I'm a fanboy. Yes. She's like, yo, I'm making so much money now. I've got like to do some major tax restructuring. Yes. Because I'm writing like- Is this our client in Maryland? No, this is a New York client. Okay. I fangirl over our client in Maryland. Yeah, we've got a a couple of Maryland. Who left her corporate job space and is doing like HR, like operating in the HR space. Yeah. And she's like killing it. She's one of my favorite- people to to watch through Facebook. Yeah. Yeah, we've got a few. We've got North Carolina, Maryland, New York. Um I'm just I'm forgetting somebody, but we've got a lot of black women who are doing great in the consulting spaces. Yeah, for sure. We also have one in California. Um she's not your client. I share her with someone else. Okay. I've I've fangirled over her before she became a client. She's a client now. I'm fangirling even harder. So, yeah, now there's a lot, yo, <laughs> there is so much opportunity out here for folks who've got their eyes open for it and we're willing to take that step. Cause I will say like opportunity does not knock. We did a show on this. Like it just lays there and you're either going to take it or you're not. And so again, we're talking today about the steps you should take before you quit your job. So other things you need to think about before quitting your job. This one I think is a big one. You need to think about your relationships. And I mean that in a variety of ways, right? The people who supported you when you had a job and you were kind of doing the traditional thing or you had like a a high profile position or whatever are not necessarily the same people who are going to support you when you go the entrepreneurial route. Lord, It's very different. And I mean, from a variety of factors, Mm. I mean, friendships, I mean, mentors, peers, Some people aren't going to consider you their peer anymore once you decide to leave your job and to do something this risky. People who you thought, you know, would be absolutely going to be customers, family members, they're not going to support you the same. And that's something, it's not something you can necessarily prepare for in advance, to be honest with you, because you don't know who's who and what is going to be what, but it's something that you need to be mindful of as it happens one to not take it personally and to be able to persevere even when those relationships shift yeah i think it's also important to 
to speak to your romantic relationships too. Like have a little meeting and explain what's going on and what you think it's going to entail. And like, I think that there's this presumption that you're self-employed now. So now you've got way more time. Like, nah, it's, it's the opposite, right? Like you will not have a lot of time. You might have to travel more than you ever had to travel. You might have to cut back on some things that the relationship was accustomed to. Dinners, movies, plays. Like, yeah, I don't a variety know. of things. Gifts. Yeah. Why not have a little family meeting? You know, sit down with your parents and your best friends and your significant others and say, look, this is what I'm planning to do. Here's, the, here's what you're going to need to expect and the type of support I want from you. But I think you should also say, this is what I'm planning to do and I don't know how it's going to go. Mm. I, I don't have the answers. I don't know. I, I'd like to think I'd still be able to be home for dinner every night. I'd like to think that it's only going to take me six to nine months to ramp up and we can get back to having our dates and doing fancy things. But I don't know. And so I am giving you a heads up now so that you can make a decision and so that we can prepare for the unknown. To me, I think that's the most honest conversation because I went through a ton of things becoming an entrepreneur that I could have never imagined. I could have never planned for. And I think a lot of times we're overly idealistic, especially with social media. And you see these instant bosses and I made a million dollars in six months, like in all these different things. And you're like, that's definitely going to be me. It's probably not because they're probably lying, but you do need to have a conversation with your romantic partners and to anybody whose relationship you truly and genuinely value. I think it, whether that's friends, whether that's specific family members or a sibling, you need to have that conversation up front so that they can prepare also for you leaving your job and then being able to do their part, whatever that looks like. So on that note of relationships, if you want to start a business, you should get to know some other business owners, right? Because they might, especially if they're in your space, they might be able to give you a little bit of those expectations on what to expect. I got a story. I got a very recent story. I have a family member who's deciding they want to become an entrepreneur. Okay, I love it. Now, I'm not necessarily on the same page with them as how they're planning to do this. But I do appreciate that they've reached out to me as someone that they know to be an entrepreneur. They're not taking any of my advice, but whatever. Right. Okay. And so I said, listen, the first thing we need to do is you need to do some research and speak to other people in the space to find out how much they're making and how long it took them to get to making that amount. Did it take them six months? Did it take them nine months? Now, he didn't do this, right? <laughs> okay. But he was like, yo, I talked to my boy who's been doing this for like six months. I'm like, bet, how much money is he making? He's not making money yet. Oh my God. And every time he tells me about another person that he's talked to, none of them are making money yet. That's a pattern. That's These are not the people we're talking about when we say talk to other entrepreneurs, talk to other people in the space. Talk to other people in the space who are making money. Yeah. Right. Because they will be able to offer you some insight. It'd be helpful to be surrounded by that network when things get rough for you. They can give you real world experience on how things are going. But a bunch of y'all who are not making any money yeah. don't have anything to talk about. Yeah, that's a fact. I think it's kind of like there's like a, a 
fraternity and sorority for entrepreneurs who are mm. full-timers who've been at it for more than, you know, two or three years. You know what I mean? Like we've got, even if it's not in your industry. For sure. Like there's so much insight that you can gain from talking to another entrepreneur. Yeah, 100%. And what I will tell you is once you become an entrepreneur and you're taking it very seriously, you will link up with other entrepreneurs and those relationships, those conversations will be invaluable um, because they've probably gone through things that you're going through to Alan's point. Even if you're not in the same industry, they have probably still gone through things you're just now going through. They've got great advice. They've got great resources. They might have a vendor relationship that can help you out. They might know somebody. They are invaluable relationships for sure. And so if you can start to cultivate them now before leaving your job, it'd be nice. I love it. All right, we're wrapping up shortly. So there's one thing I want to say a little bit differently, and that's this word that entrepreneurship is risky. I personally don't think it's that risky. I think it's sold as being risky, but when you really think about it, entrepreneurship really is a safe route for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, like jobs, this is not the era of our parents or our grandparents where you've worked the same job your whole entire life. You've been there for 50 years. You're guaranteed a pension with a watch. Like those days are long gone to me now because I used to be a person who never wanted to be an entrepreneur. And you're correct. I thought it was extremely risky and I didn't think it was worth the effort. Um, I now feel like I would not feel secure knowing that one company or one person was responsible for my ability to provide and take care of myself for the rest of my life. Yeah. For me, that doesn't feel safe in any regard. We have a lot of things going for us at all times. If one thing doesn't work out, it's unfortunate, but there are other things working. There is no one person responsible for my ability to live the life that I want to live. And for me, that feels a lot safer. That's a fact. The other thing, and I know we were joking earlier, but I think we should end here. We were making fun of how you leave your job, but you really do want to try to leave your job on a good note, to be honest with you. You are going to see these people again. They may be customers. They may refer you business. You may have a potential client who just knows some of these people. And they're like, listen, I'm thinking about working with such and such. What do you think? And I'm like, oh, He's wild. Like, let me tell you about, like, you do want to leave your job on a good note, not necessarily because you plan on coming back, but you do want to have a good reputation. You do want people to say good things when they speak about you, because once you become an entrepreneur, that's really all you have, especially in the beginning. It's word of mouth. It's reputation. It's your character. It's what people have to say about you. So while I know it'd be super fun to wow your boss out and flip a desk over, Hold back. Yeah. Right. And end things on a good note. I guarantee you, you are going to see these people again. They are going to have the opportunity to help you build your business or tear it down. After I resigned from Goldman Sachs, you know, I started a business where I was in direct competition with them in the wealth management space. I've gotten a ton of referrals from Goldman people, from old managers, from old coworkers from just the Goldman network. And I think it's because of how I not just carried myself when I was there, but how I walked out the door. You know, like you've got to think about the bridges that you've created because they might be bridges of opportunity in the future. Yeah, and I didn't come from the wealth management space. I don't come from the financial services space, but I will tell you that relationships I had in my previous career path have translated over. Um, 
one of them, they became our business partner in one of our gyms. I have people who have become clients and these are all people that I knew from before who knew me for something different, but always knew me to be a thorough person or just to keep it real. And when they heard I was doing something different, they were just open to hear about it. And so again, so I'm a person who's not afraid to burn bridges when I feel like they need to be burned and I don't want people to ever have access to me again because it's toxic, right? But if it's just that you don't like your job or you're just ready to move on or you want to go in a different direction or you guys just have a difference of opinion, no need to be harsh. Leave on a good note. Leave in light and love because, again, you will see these people again. I love it. And on that note, we hope that you see us again or hear from us again. Yeah, facts. Check us out every week. We drop a new podcast episode every Sunday. We don't take too many weeks off. We've taken one week off so far. over a year. In over a year. Um, But... We've got a lot of great content. And if this is your first time listening to one of our podcasts, definitely go back in the archives. We've got some really good stuff, some really informative stuff, and we have a good time. So we'll see you next week. I'm Tiffany Hawkins. I'm Alan Boomer. And we're the Momentum Advisors. Momentum. Momentum.